Acts, please. Chapter 8. We love the Apostle Paul, but I want to talk about Paul just a little bit. Hold your place there at chapter 8, look at 1 Timothy. First Timothy one fifteen. Paul says this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief, proto, first, or chief. We're going to talk about why Paul felt that way. Acts 8. And Saul, we know Saul of Tarsus, became Paul the Apostle. But at this time, he's Saul of Tarsus. He said Saul was consenting unto his death. That is, Stephen, you just got the, the speech of Stephen in chapter 7. Now we'll come into chapter 8. And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Now that word for scattered is a word later on is used as the Diaspora. Has anybody ever heard of the diaspora of the Jews? That's what happened on in 70 AD. The Jews were scattered all over the world but by persecutions and by war. They were scattered. That's called the, the Jews and the diaspora. But it comes from that Greek word there for scattered. All right, now look at Acts 22. Now this is getting close to the end for Paul and he stands up to defend himself. He's been accused of a lot of things. Chapters 21, 39, he says, But Paul said, I am a man which am a Jew of Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, a citizen of no mean city, no small city, and I beseech thee, suffer, allow me to speak unto the people. And when he had given him license, Paul stood on the stairs and beckoned with a hand unto the people. And when there was made a great silence, he spake unto them in the Hebrew tongue, saying, Men, brethren, and fathers, hear you my defense, which I now make, uh, I make now to you. And when they heard that he spake in the Hebrew tongue to, to them, they kept the more silence and saith, he saith. See, they'd accused him of being an Egyptian. 
I am verily a man which am a Jew born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous toward God as ye all are this day. And I persecuted this way. He's talking about the believers. This way. I persecuted this way unto the death. Binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. As also the high priest doth bear me witness in all the estate of the elders. From whom also I received letters unto the brethren. And went to Damascus to bring them which were there bound unto Jerusalem for to be punished. And it came to pass that as I made my journey and was come near nigh unto Damascus about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. And I fell into the ground and heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. Now he was after the, the people. But Jesus said, You're doing it to me. And they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, Arise and go into Damascus, and there it shall be told thee of all things which are appointed for thee to do. And when I could not see for the glory of that light, being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came unto Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good, good report of all the Jews which dwelt there, came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. And the same hour I looked up upon him, and he said, The God of our fathers has chosen thee that thou shouldest know his will and see that just one and shouldst hear the voice of his mouth. For thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. And now why tarriest thou rise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And it came to pass that when I was come again to Jerusalem, even while I prayed in the temple, I was in a trance and saw him saying unto me, Make haste and get thee quickly out of Jerusalem, for they will not receive thy testimony concerning me. And I said, Lord, they know that I am prisoned and beaten every synagogue, them that believed on thee. And when the blood of thy martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by and consenting unto his death and kept the raiment of them that slew him. And he said unto me, Depart, for I will send thee far hence, Unto the Gentiles. I'm going to stop there. Now you can't get any better account of what happened to Paul on the road to Damascus. Paul gives it himself. We call him Paul, Saul the persecutor. He, he persecuted them unto the death. Now... Saul was a Jew and he was a on the Sanhedrin, Pharisee on the Sanhedrin. 
he prided himself on his keeping the law. But as we read in Romans 7, we find out that he really didn't keep the law. He said, because when the law came, sin revived and I died. That's the purpose of the law. So, back in Acts 8, verse 2, devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. Well, lamentation is mourning. The book of Lamentations of Jeremiah, the book right after the prophecy of Jeremiah, Lamentations, and that's what it's about, mourning over the fall of the southern kingdom in Jerusalem. That's what Jeremiah was doing. But here, they are lamenting over Stephen. Stephen was a great man. He was a believer, and he preached, and they stoned him to death because of what he preached. We need to understand that. You speak the truth. People are not going to love it. It got a lot of people killed through the years. And we'll do all. Did you all hear that the Euphrates River is drying up? That's in the news, right, as we speak. Is that, uh, could that be just a gigantic coincidence? Or could it be that we've already read something about that? Been reading it for a long time. Never have known the Euphrates to dry up in my lifetime. <clears throat> Last several hundred years, I haven't heard of that. Now it's drying up. No, no. Don't believe that's a coincidence. Anyway, <clears throat> devout men carried Stephen to his burial. In verse 3, <clears throat> and as for Saul, he made havoc of the church. Entering into every house, hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. So this is what went on after the day of Pentecost. Now, Saul of Tarsus is doing what he feels he's doing to serve the Lord, but in the process, he's killing the saints of God. For being saints of God, for worshiping Jesus Christ and believing the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what they're being killed for. <clears throat> Saul knew all about hatred of the Lord. A lot of people don't know about it. They should because they do. Out of Christ, that's where they are. Anyway, he made havoc of the church. Now what's he talking about? He didn't make havoc of a universal invisible church. So what does he mean the church? Luke wrote Acts and he said the church. He's talking about the church, the assembly that was at Jerusalem. 
They said, well, they're getting them out of their houses. Don't people live in houses? Whatever kind they are, they live in a dwelling. Church members live at home. And so he was drawing individual church members out. Well, this is... Somebody described this word havoc. I think it was Beast. I don't know who it was. One of them. Said it was like a wild boar turned loose in somebody's garden that's ready to be reaped. What do you think he would do? Now I see these women, men also, with rings in their nose. And I reckon that's what they've been doing is rooting. That's what you do with a hog when they root up your ground. You put a ring in her nose. So I would guess, surely that's the only explanation for that, is they've been rooting and somebody they had to do something to stop them. That's what they do to hogs. Well, he made havoc of the church at Jerusalem like, like it was a luscious garden and just re- remarks it. That's what he did at the church. Only it was people he was remarking. And look at Acts 9 now. Verse 1. And Saul yet breathing out threatenings. And slaughter. So sometimes I heard people talk about, well, it was just Stephen on what he did. That's not true. I don't know how many that that he was responsible for slaughtering, but that's what his what that's what his will was to do. That's what he did. Breathing out threatenings and slaughters against the disciples of the Lord. Went unto the high priest and desired him of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. So that's when he does what he recounted for us over in chapter 22. And so the slaughters, when he breathed, breathed, it was bringing anguish for God's people. Breathing out threatenings and slaughters. When he's doing that breathing, it's hurting. It's destroying. Uh, look at Acts 26. Here he's before Agrippa. Verse 9, he says, I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name 
of Jesus of Nazareth. He hated Jesus. Which thing I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints did I shut up in prison. Having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death I gave my voice against them. And I punished them oft or often in every synagogue. And compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them. I persecuted them even unto strange cities. So Paul didn't make any bones about what he had been doing. He hated, he, he hated Jesus Christ. And he hated anybody that loved Jesus Christ. And he did his best to wipe them out. So he, was, he forced these believers to blaspheme. Some of them, I'm sure he couldn't, but he tried. Well, do you think anybody could force you to blaspheme? What would it be to blaspheme Jesus Christ? Say, oh, well, he wasn't really the Son of God. That's blaspheming. Can anybody force you to do that? Say, well, I don't know. I hope not. We may have an opportunity to find out. I don't know whether I'll live that long or not, but we may have. He was exceedingly mad, and he punished these believers. For what? Well, he hailed or dragged them. I believe if President Trump had been home the other night, the FBI would have done that. Dragged him. I guess the only thing that the cop was there, they uh, went through the lingerie drawers of the first lady. That is, you know, the KGB, the Gestapo. The FBI, that's who they are. Anyway, do you hear that FBI? Anyway. In Acts 9, verse 21. But all that heard him were amazed. Now this is after he's, the Lord the Holy Spirit arrested him on the road to Damascus and turned him around. <laughs> All that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them? See what he had done to them? Them which called on this name in Jerusalem? And came hither for that intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priest. So they're saying now, this is the guy that was doing that. Now he's preaching the one that he hated. Well, that's the way it turned out. Galatians 1, 
Verse 13. For you have heard of my conversation. Now that word conversation, it does include what you say, but it also is what you're doing. It's your life. My conduct in time past in the Jews' religion. Notice what he calls it now. How that beyond measure, I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. Destroyed it. Beyond measure. What was measure? Measure would be just like a normal a normal Pharisee, a normal Sanhedrin, what they would do. But he went beyond that. See, that's what Martin Luther did. After he got loose from the Pope, the Catholic Church, he's in Germany. He's got the protection of all the German princes. He had used the German Anabaptist to help him when he was scared he was going to get killed. But as soon as he got the power, and I can prove this from non-religious writers, he turned on the Anabaptist so bad that it even scared the Catholics. He went way beyond what the Catholics did, and they had the Inquisition. And yet I have some independent Baptists talking about the great Martin Luther. I don't care what he did. He was an enemy of true Baptists. Anyway, Paul went beyond measure in his zeal unto the death. Now, why did Paul, why, why did Saul hate the believers so much? Well, I think that you could see one thing, <clears throat> the same thing that bothered the other Pharisees when he called Jesus God. He didn't like that. Over in John 8. Verse 56. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him. Thou art not yet fifty years old. And hast thou seen Abraham? And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. And that's the Greek word, Amy. Epsilon iota, uh, mu iota. Amy. That is the same as Yahweh, the eternal God, self-existent one. Always was, is, or ever will, ever becomes. Jesus said the same thing in Greek that God called himself before the burning bush in Moses' day. 
I am. Moses said, Whom shall I say sent me? I am hath sent you. I am that I am. Then took they up stones to cast at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them and so passed by. Now does that tell you anything? They were so angry at Jesus right then, if they could have hit him, they would have stoned him to death right then. Well, that was one of the things that the Apostle Paul well, turned about on. But as Saul, he was with them. Look at Philippians 2. Verse 5, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Of course, you understand this is Paul writing. Who being in the form of God and thought it not robbery to be equal with God. There wasn't anything missing. There wasn't anything wrong. He's in the form of God. He is God manifesting the flesh. Now Paul is preaching that, but that was something that angered Saul so much that he killed people over it. You have to understand that. To call this convicted and executed felon Messiah, it, it destroyed Saul's idea of the son of David conquering over his enemies. Look at John 19. Now here's what the Pharisees said. And Paul, Saul was one of them. Verse 21. Then said the chief priest of the Jews to Pilate. Write not the king of the Jews. But that he said, I am king of the Jews. Saul was right with them. But Pilate answered, what I've written, I've written. Then you see, 1 Timothy 6. So what angered those Pharisees and priests Angered Saul of Tarsus. And of course this is Paul writing. What a difference. 1 Timothy 6. Verse 13. I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth all things. And before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show, who is the blessed and only potentate 
the King of kings and Lord of lords, who only hath immortality dwelling in the light, which no man can approach unto, whom no man has seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. There's Saul of Tarsus. That's what kind of a change God made in him. The very things that angered him to the point that he hated Christ and hated all of his followers and was willing to even kill them, to destroy them. Now look what he's preaching. But that's what angered him. That a freeborn child of Abraham must be reborn. Of course, we know, well, John 8.32. I know you're probably getting tired of turning scripture, but I've got to show you. You shall know the truth, the truth shall make you free. But they answered him, We be Abraham's seed. And we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou you shall be made free? That's what angered the Jews, the Pharisees. We never be in bondage to any man. Look what Paul says in Ephesians. You know what he says in chapter 2. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Verse 5, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. So the same Saul, now he's Paul. But you look what he's saying now, rather than like the Pharisees said, and that's what he used to be. We never be in bondage to any man. And I'm going to tell you what, you've got a lot of folks. Lots of people in this world today, that's how they respond to the preaching of total depravity. They don't like being told that there are two, two groups of people in this world. Children of God and children of the devil. They don't like being told that. They don't like being told that they are totally depraved, that they are at enmity with God. But that's where they are. They don't like being told the wrath of God abides on their head. But look what Paul, when God saved him, look what he taught Paul. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now he says, I was dead. He said the same thing in Romans 7. When the law came, sin revived and I died. He also said, I die daily. He also said, I am the chief of sinners. What a change. People say they're saved and you don't ever see a change. No. You don't ever. No. If somebody's saved, there's a change. Seems to be more on some than on others, but it's there's a change nonetheless. In Acts 7, we already talked about that, that Stephen could possibly have known more than the educated Saul. 
But he heard everything Stephen said. If you haven't read recently what Stephen preached to those Jews that day, you need to read. And see what that dear brother, and I doubt he had a whole parcel of notes. He's preaching from his heart. And what a history of Israel did he preach. And the gospel that he preached. And they railed on him and gnashed on him. And they stoned him to death. And was Saul of Tarsus there? Of course he was. He was consenting unto his death. He gave the authority to do it. That's what he got from the Sanhedrin. He had the authority to persecute people to the death. Put them in prison. Confiscate everything that they had. And that's what he was busy doing. But God saved him. Now, the gospel that he once hated, he now preaches. Look at Romans. Chapter 1. Verse 14. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are Rome also. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is a power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. The very gospel that he once hated, he now is ultimately going to be killed for that gospel. He suffered a life of, of misery, of pain. He lost everything that he had. He lost his wife, his children. He lost his whole family. He lost his people. His people hunted him down. But it hadn't been just a little bit before that. He was one of them. Matter of fact, he was one of the most outspoken ones of them. And God did a work of grace in him. So we may conclude with this. That God can conquer the worst sinner. Isn't that what he said he was? I'm not going to argue. I know I'm pretty bad. But he said he's the chief. And I'm going to let him say that because he knows what he's talking about. But if he's the worst, and look what a change God made in him. And he did it on the road to Damascus. He rested him on the road to Damascus, and it didn't take any time for God to do it. I mean, it was bam, bam, and he says, Lord, 
What wilt thou have me to do? And then he goes about to do it. So, we probably ought not to give up on anybody. We don't want to worry them to death. Cast a pearl before the swine. But we have an opportunity to witness, to talk to them, to pray for them. We ought to do it. And say, well, they're not, they're not worth it. Well, you wasn't either. God help us to have a little humility about us. Paul had a lot. He had, he had more humility than he had going beyond measure. 